I was going to do in 2020 everything that scared me. And let me tell you, (laughs) there's Uh. a lot of things that scare me. I believe every person deserves kindness in their lives. I believe kindness has the power to change us from the inside out, to change the world beginning with you and me. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Self-Kindness, Self-Kindness with Pete. It's about figuring out how kindness towards ourselves can be our superpower, how kindness is more than just a reward at the end of the day. It's about living clear lives, focused lives, motivated by loving concern, rather than motivated by fear and anxiety. It's about how we make that change. How does self-kindness show up the moment we need it the most? You are so worthy of the kindness that's already in you. And each week, we'll be exploring how to do that with people who are leading this kindness awakening in their own lives. My name is Pete Sibley, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello, everybody. Pete Sibley here. So grateful you're here and tuning in to another episode of Self-Kindness with Pete. And today, my guest, Hannah Owen, I'm really excited to have you hear what she has to say. Um, You can hear that little clip where this year, 2020, she said yes to doing everything that scares her. And there was a lot that scares her. But I love when we are in touch with that. I think that self-kindness is less about that intellectual uh, you know, practice of what am I, what am I doing? What am I getting? And really stepping into that felt experience, you know, the somatic experience of what does it feel like to embody kindness? We're so good at putting it out there in the world, but when we turn it back in on us, what does that feel like? How is that possible right here in this moment? before the finances are all figured out. What does that feel like to feel kindness? Before the people at work are are doing exactly what they need to do so my life is easier, what does that feel like? Is it possible to experience that kindness before everything is as it should be according to your mind? And I think it's a very courageous thing to do. As I started to record this little bit of intro, I recorded something that I thought was fabulous and had it all set and actually had the whole podcast uh, edited, you know, and I get really particular because having a music background, having been in a lot of studios, having done a lot of editing, uh, I might be a little bit more... um, Well, hard nose about how I do all that editing. And I had it all set. It took a while to get there. And when I went to hit save and play it back, suddenly my computer crashed. And I lost it all. And so I love how life is never willing to give up on me. It's always willing to give me a chance to say, hey, Pete. Can you live self-kindness in this moment? How about right now? My guest today, Hannah Owen, has begun to make that her practice. And you'll hear her talk about that, how she has Hannah time where she checks in and asks herself, 
how's it going right now? And so Hannah Owen is a teacher turned professional organizer from Northeast Ohio. And she started her career teaching kindergarten and first grade in a small Eskimo village in Bush, Alaska. And it was there where she grew to have a passion for all things simple living. She now combines that passion of simple living and teaching to help other women achieve more intentional, less cluttered lives. And she always says that when it comes to organizing, it's never about the bins and baskets, but it's about making space for what really matters to you. Now, I first heard her on the Kathy Heller Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast, and Hannah actually has her own podcast that you can tune into called Sip and Sort, where she talks about just these great little ideas of organizing and what matters most. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Hannah Owen. So, hello, Hannah Owen. Thank you so much for coming on Self-Kindness with Pete. So grateful you're here. Hi, Pete. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, we'll maybe get into it a little bit later, the connection that we have to Ohio. So thanks for representing this morning. (laughs) Well, morning for me, uh, afternoon for you. Yes. But I'm really excited you said yes, because I felt something when I heard you being interviewed by by someone who has inspired both of us, Kathy Heller of the Don't Keep Your Day Job uh, podcast. And in that, you you had some really great stories and just really loved the person that you you were willing to share. I mean, just sharing yourself. So would you would you start off by just telling us a little bit about who you are? Uh, what you're doing, how you're doing and bringing good into the world right now. And and second part is, why did you say yes to a kindness conversation today? Absolutely. So my name is Hannah. Um, I started out as a teacher. I taught early childhood education. Um, I am from Northeast Ohio, and I had wanted to be a teacher my entire life. There was never any second guessing. That was all I ever wanted to do. Right out of college... I was offered a position teaching in a very small Eskimo village off of the road system in Alaska. And Mm. I had never done anything like that before. I grew up in this house with my parents. We never moved. Um, I had decided that I wanted to go to college debt-free. So I stayed at home throughout college and worked three jobs. Um, And then I believe it was in 2014, Jared and I, my current husband, like found each other again. And I was in this like reawakening where I was doing all of the things. I was so excited about life. And I, you know, I went skydiving, like literally skydiving. And right after that, I accepted this job in Alaska. And it was like, yeah, we're going. And he was in the middle of going to the fire academy and EMT school. And he finished up that semester and then took a break. And the two of us, you know, moved to this little Eskimo village in Alaska. So I'm like 22, 23 years old. And I have never lived anywhere except for with my parents before. I've never lived with a guy before. Um, And I, you know, we get into our house and we realize we don't even have a toilet. So (laughs) it was a crazy year. And I remember you know, that year was like life-changing for me in so many different ways and for Jared too. But I really got into this simple living while being there. Like we didn't have any stuff. Our whole Mm -hmm. life was Mm -hmm. teaching, you know, me teaching and then 
just getting into the culture and the people that lived there. Our village was less than two square miles. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but it was off the road system. We had to take a little bush plane to fly into it. Like when you got to the village, that was it. You were just in this village. We really got a taste for what mattered. So I loved that. It was a great year. We learned so much. It was, you know, difficult in a lot of ways, that's for sure. But it was, it was life-changing. And then, you know, I was so, so into the lifestyle and I started, I had already been debt-free because of college. And I knew that eventually we wanted to own a log cabin and we wanted to kind of keep up this peaceful, simple life that neither of us were accustomed to. But the teaching aspect of it was very stressful for me. Mm. It was something, and it was confusing for me. I was having a real identity problem because it was the only thing I ever wanted to do. And then when I was actually doing it, I realized that there were parts of it that I loved, but I mm-hmm. didn't love. I didn't love that it took up so much of my time, and I didn't love that that had to come home with me because, as I mentioned before, I, I just tend to be such a perfectionist, and I couldn't think about anything other than my job. So I think while it all looked good on paper and, you know, people were praising me, I think, I mean, I know that I was dreading going to work every day and I know that, you know, Jared knew that about me too, but I just thought, okay, you know, it's my first year teaching. We are so far away from home. There's so many factors in this. So we moved back to Ohio the following year and I took another teaching job. So I Mm -hmm. stayed there for a year and then I thought, well, I'm going to keep going. You know, I've had two years teaching and I haven't loved it, but again, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. So I'm just going to keep going with it. And I um, had a friend from college who was also a teacher and she worked at this small private school that was local, much closer than the preschool I've been working at. And they needed a teacher. And I went there and I met with them and it was just like um, rainbows and puppies, like this beautiful school. People were so sweet, so kind. I've never known anything so genuine in my entire life. And Mm. I even really loved what I was teaching. And I was teaching science and social studies. So I was able to use a lot of what I had learned in Alaska with, you know, just getting into minimalism and, you know, focusing on nature and simple living. I was able to implement a lot of that into what I was doing. But I was still coming home at nights and on the weekend. And I was just like crabby. I was crabby. And I was not giving the people I loved the best of me. And I could Mm. not figure out what the problem was. So my oldest brother was starting his own business. You know, people have always complimented me on being organized. So my brother mentioned to me this thing about becoming a professional organizer. And he's like, well, you could at least do it on the side. So Mm. I decided that I would, um, you know, try this on the side. And I started it and I absolutely loved it. There was something, something so therapeutic about what I was doing. And I still felt like I was doing something important, something that mattered, something that was helpful. Um, And I was really helping people declutter more than I was helping them, you know, organize for the sake of organizing. Hmm. So at this point, I'm still teaching and I've got this little side business going and not loving the teaching part so much, but I'm definitely loving the organizing. And I had a talk with my, at that point, he was my boyfriend, a very good conversation about just, you know, my life in general and my anxiety level. And, you know, I'd been doing this teaching thing for four years and it just, you know, nothing, it wasn't right for me. It wasn't working. You know, he told me that it would be okay if I 
if I wanted to quit my job as a teacher and just pursue this business. Well, mm-hmm. that was so sweet of him, but my mm-hmm. whole identity was wrapped up in this job as a teacher. Right, right. Well, that's what was coming to mind to ask if I could just interject there, Hannah, is, you know, you're living debt-free, you have a job, you, you know, you have this relationship with this beautiful man. So the question is coming that I think, you know, that's just a really human experience. Just noticing there's still anxiety. What, what was the anxiousness around, if I could just unpack that a little bit. And maybe it is what you're getting into, the identity part. Yeah, absolutely. It was that. So as a teacher, something about being a teacher lets you know that your job is important and it matters. And even though, I mean, I know that teachers get a lot of backlash, um, but something about it was still just, it mattered. And, you know, someone asked me what I did with my life and I said, I'm a teacher and, oh, that's nice. And there's no more questions, you know, to be asked about Mm. it it was easy and it was, you know, it was who I was for so long. And I think I identified as a teacher, you know, day one of college, even before I officially was a teacher. Mm. So that summer, um, but going into my fourth year teaching, my other brother um, was in a, an awful motorcycle accident. We got to the hospital and um few hours. Well, we got there and they told us he had no life-threatening injuries. That was the first thing we heard. And they said we couldn't see him yet. And then we were there for a really long time. There was like no one else in the hospital. A couple hours later, we're still waiting and the doctor comes out and he tells us that his spinal cord was injured and that they need to rush him into surgery and that they were pretty certain that he was paralyzed from the waist down. And we had not been expecting any of that. And they came out after surgery and, you know, he was, he made it through surgery and, but he still wasn't conscious. A few days after surgery, they tell us that they were running some tests and that they realized that he's actually paralyzed from the chest down. And he is an adventurer. Like I said, it was a motorcycle accident, but he's like an Mm. avid skydiver and traveler and very active athletic person. And I couldn't believe that this was, that this was happening. And my mom never left his side. And I went home every single night. And I just remember thinking like, I can't do this again. I can't do this another day. Like I put in a week, I'm done. I put in two weeks, I'm done. And he still wasn't even waking up from the coma. Mm. And I was just, I I was so mad. I felt like I had already, I was mad. I, I remember thinking, I had already been through so much and why was this happening and why wouldn't it stop? And why couldn't we just get an answer about what, you know, what the future was going to hold for him or for us. And then I remember I was getting ready to go back to school and I'm I'm going, okay, I, I can't do this. I can't go back to school, which I was, you know, already struggling with while still dealing with, you know, this. And I'm, I was just totally flipped out about it. And I remember I kept talking to my family, telling them that I would just quit my job. I think Jared saw it before I saw it, that I was trying to quit my job for my brother is what I was saying on the outside. But I think that what he noticed was that I was using it as an out. Not that I didn't, you know, my brother was a factor, but that I saw it as a, okay, you know, I have a reason to leave and I'm going to use it. And I need this time to grieve and I can't, you know, this is an okay exit for me. 
Well, I didn't quit my job. Things were so up in the air and I'm such a planner and I just couldn't pull the trigger on that. So I, I went to school that year. Um, but towards the end of the year, I realized that I, I, I personally realized for the first time that while I thought that I was quitting my job for my family, I was really quitting my job for me too. And that I wasn't allowing myself to do that. I was so wrapped up in this identity that I just could not let go of. And I knew that the families really loved me there and my, the staff really loved me. And I knew that they didn't want me to quit. And these people pleasing tendencies were, you know, really hitting home hard for me. So mm. I did end up quitting my job. Um, I realized that time was precious and that, you know, I had given this a good go, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Right. Right. I think I re remember this part of, of your story, Hannah, that, that, that struck me as what I call self-kindness. Um, you know, I love how you set that up and explain that, um, that Jared saw it. And then it became more evident to you that, that you, you had quit and now you were using this, your brother's, um, situation as the reason why, but then to also know, you know, the question arose in me that I was going to ask is, you know, well, what was still holding you back if you knew that this was where you needed to go? But then you said, you know, the that identity of being a teacher and the your people-pleasing tendencies, which we all have, right? We're all looking for that approval and that love from the people around us. And yet the wisdom that I hear and what you said is that ultimately this was this was the choice that you needed to make, that you needed to quit for you. I see that as self-kindness, but, you know, in the midst of this story, in the context that you're sharing, how were you defining self-kindness or was an, this idea of self-kindness even part of your, I don't know, part of your experience? Because it, it sounds like there's just so much going on externally that you are, that you really want to show up for, you know? Right. Absolutely. And I think that I wasn't even conscious of all of it. I think that when I first did it, I wasn't allowing myself to think of it as self-kindness. I was, I was telling myself that I was going to have a profitable, profitable business and that I was going to help out my family. And mm. I remember, I mean, those, the perfectionist thing, the OCD thing, the people pleasing thing, they are patterns in my life. And I remember, you know, my last day of school, my principal from the private school who was absolutely wonderful. And I had been talking to him for a long time about the situation before I ultimately pulled the trigger. Um, he was in on all of it before I had even talked to the staff. And he remembered saying to me, so take a year off and see what you want to do. But if you're going to do that, he said, make that, make it worth it. He's like, mm. really, you know, look deep into yourself and use that time wisely so that you can figure out what you want. He said, it's so easy to get sucked into doing things for other people when you have that kind of time. And I said, yes, I'm definitely going to make it worth it. And then, you know, one second later, I started filling up my, my schedule and I can do this for you right. and I can do this for you and I can run this errand for you and helping people left and right. And I still had no time for myself. And mm. I still couldn't process what was going on and I still wasn't okay. So I'm, you know, preaching the simple lifestyle. But the one thing that I hadn't 
grasped yet was the idea of self-kindness for myself. I, I mm. saw it. I could tell other people they needed it, but I couldn't do it myself. So I had to really start being more intentional. You know, I had already gotten rid of the stuff. I had gotten rid of the job that was not working for me. Um, but I really needed to work on myself and I needed to work on how I handled my time in a way that was healthy for me. Right. So, you know, I, I love that, Hannah. And I would really am curious about exploring that because that is what, you know, my audience comes up against so much. It's like you can do it so easily for other people and you can fill up your schedule in a blink of an eye for everybody else. And yet, what is it? Like, why do you think, maybe looking back and reflecting on it now, why you couldn't do it for yourself in that moment? Yeah, I think I felt guilty about it. I think I I had a lot of guilt and shame around the entire thing. I, I remember talking to Jared one night and I said, I said, do you feel weird that I'm not a teacher anymore? Is it just like weird to tell people that, you know, I'm a professional organizer, not a teacher? And he's, and you know, he's a paramedic. And in my head, I had thought it was so cute when we first started dating that, you know, he's a paramedic, you know, and firefighter and I'm a teacher. It just sounds so wholesome and nice. Mm, right. And he's like, what it the does. heck? It does. But he's just like, what the heck are you talking about? He said, you're a rock star. You've been through so much and now you're starting your own business. He's like, I'm not ashamed of any of it. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for every single choice that you've made. Mm, mm. And, wow. And how, how fortunate you were to have that reflection there because sometimes a lot of us we don't have that reflection or we're not able to hear it absolutely so I mean I I think that I really needed that and then I also think that I knew that I knew that I had used my brother as a crutch for leaving this job so and my family in general and there was other there was other things going on with my family other um, situations that you know, basically several family members could have used my help in a lot of different ways during that time, not just my, my one brother. So I think that I had portrayed this to everyone as I'm leaving my job so I can help out the family, except for to, I mean, even to Jared, but Jared saw right through it, Mm. Uh, but I hadn't Mm. saw through it yet was the issue. So I think then, you know, I've got all this time and I'm going, well, I told everyone I was quitting my job to be helpful. So now I need to figure out how to be helpful. And I Whereas before, you know, I had teaching and I could say, you know, I really can't do this because I need to lesson plan or I need to do this. I, I no longer felt like I had that. I felt like I had all of the time in the world. I was my own boss. So I made my own hours and I, you know, my family needed me. There was a lot going on with them and I needed to, I needed to do whatever they needed me to do. Even though, you know, I never expressed to them that maybe it was difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So what was the changing point again probably looking back uh and reflecting that you started to move from feeling guilty or maybe you still have that <laughs> that guilty feeling to actually putting yourself into the schedule more and putting yourself into that generosity that you're giving so so much to your family yeah and it's definitely been a progress and you know i'm i'm getting better all the time but i i think it's definitely going to you know, take some more time. But towards the end of last year, I realized that I had quit my job and that that was amazing that I had done that, but that I was feeling a lot of guilt for one and that I felt like I was kind of stuck. So I made this promise to myself that 
I was going to do in 2020 everything that scared me. And let me tell you, (laughs) there's a a lot of things that scare me. So I made this promise to myself. And then in January, I had been listening to Kathy Heller's podcast for a while, the Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast. And in January, she offered this five-day free challenge. So I signed up for her five-day challenge, um, not even realizing that there was going to be an offer at the end. Like I didn't even think that much into it. And then I realized that she was offering scholarships for her course and that it could really improve my business in general. So I'm listening to her every night and we live in a very small apartment, less than 600 square feet. And Jared was here most nights watching me listen. And at the end of every um, class, she would give away scholarships to her course, her 12 week course. And her course was $3,000. And I knew that we were just not going to drop $3,000 on a whim because that was, you know, not what we did. So every night I'm sitting here, I'm doing my homework and you have to do homework in order to be qualified for the scholarship. And I wasn't getting, you know, the scholarship. So the last night I'm getting ready to log on for the course. And Jared said, I just have a feeling that you're going to get a scholarship tonight. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's like hundreds of people in this Facebook live. There's no way that I'm going to get a scholarship. And it was unlike him to say that it was just not even, it wasn't even like him at all. So she's going through the scholarships and she gave away the full scholarships and she gave away some other, some other prizes. And then she said, and I also have a partial scholarship and lo and behold, she says my name and Jared is in the kitchen cooking and we both just start losing our minds. I am like sobbing hysterically. And at this point she's only even said partial scholarship. I know that the course is $3,000. I don't know what that means. And I also knew that Jared and I had just bought a couple acres to start building our dream house and that we do this debt-free thing. And there was no way we could afford, I mean, not afford, we had the money, but it just wasn't in our financial practice to do something like this. And he starts Mm. laughing hysterically. And he said, no, he's like, this is, if nothing else, I don't care if it's $10, this is a sign you're doing it. So (laughs) I signed up (laughs) and I know I signed up and I started the course and the very next week he proposed to me. And so we're like buying, we bought this property. We're getting ready to build our dream house. He proposed to me and like I took her course and I had started signing up for public speaking events, which was mind blowing because I've never been able to do anything like that. I remember in school Mm. when I knew that we would have to do presentations, I would actually get sick. I wouldn't even have to fake sick. My nerves would be so bad that I would actually get sick and and end up missing school. Mm. And in college, I had to take a public speaking course um, because you have to, if you want to be a teacher. And I took it on Saturday mornings at like seven o'clock in the morning because I knew no one would be in the class. <laughs> right? <laughs> like there was no way. So anyway, I just decided I'm, I'm sick of playing it small. I'm, I'm sick of being afraid of everything. I'm going to be 30 this year. And I, I just need to step out of my comfort zone. And I kept thinking that, you know, so many years ago when Jared and I had found each other again, I was so like lively, like the skydiving and the going to the Mm. village. And, you know, I had just quit my job and I needed to find that again. And I needed to stop being so scared of everything. So Mm. I was doing all these things and I'm, I'm scared every day, but feeling great at the same time. I'm so proud of myself and then quarantine it. Right. So, you know, it was tricky as it is for everyone. Jared was gone a lot. He's a paramedic and I was pretty much home and Again, I have all of this time. 
and I can't, mm. you know, I, I started doing things online for my business and that was great. And I had my podcast and that was great too, but I still just had all of this time and I felt like I wasn't using it right. I was either sleeping all of the time or I was busy all of the time. And I would tell myself, all right, Hannah, you need to work out. You feel like garbage, this, that, and the other. And I was really beating myself up. I was not being kind at all. Mm. And I had this moment at some point in the middle of quarantine. And I remember when I would really get stressed out, I would just ask my mom if I could stay home from school. And it didn't matter what age I was. I, it, I did it all throughout school. And if I asked, she would let me. And she mm. called it, I called it a Hannah day. And so did she. And it was just me just doing nothing for one day because I just needed to. And it, you know, I still pulled straight A's. I did everything I was supposed to do. So she didn't see why it was an issue. Well, I never did that as a teacher. I never took one day off. And then I'm like in quarantine and I'm thinking about all these things. And I said, you know what? I really need some Hannah time. I don't need a Hannah day necessarily, but I need Hannah time. Mm. So I started thinking about what that would look like. And I realized that for me, I need to start my day peacefully without running around. And I'm really into yoga. I'm into journaling. I love to read. I love to do all of these things. But if I tell myself okay, Hannah, every day at six, you need to get up and you need to journal for 15 minutes and you need to work out for 30 minutes and you know, blah, blah, blah. It becomes one more thing on my to-do list that I'm just trying to check mm. off. Mm. So I told myself that I was going to have Hannah time every single day. And that Hannah time was at least for one hour every single day. And I needed to wake up and I needed to think about what I really needed in that moment. So Hannah time was not planned other than that was an hour for me and no one else. So mm. what I started doing was, you know, my alarm is set for six. I'm an early bird, but I'll wake up at six and I'll go, okay, what do you need? Do you need an hour more of sleep? Do you need to journal? Do you need yoga? But it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what I do with that time as long as I'm intentional with it. I'm not on my phone. I'm not, you know, scheduling early sessions with clients, which I used to be, which I used to do. And I'm not, I'm not leaving my house. Mm. And how has that been unfolding for you? It has been such a game changer. And I always hear people say, you know, wake up earlier, have a routine in the morning, you know, do this, do that. But all it ever did for me was set me up to feel bad about myself when it didn't work out. So instead, I just said, okay, I'm setting aside the time. I'm setting aside the time and what I do with it in that hour, I decide that morning depending on what I need. Well, I love that because it, it just sounds like what you're setting up for yourself is that you're making a routine out of getting in touch with you. Absolutely. And that's that's my soapbox that I stand on top of saying, you know, can you imagine what our world would be like if we if every human being had that opportunity? And again, you know, maybe that brings up where we are as a larger culture and looking at privilege. And however, um, I still am a proponent of of inviting more self-kindness where we can, inviting that that moment that you're asking yourself, Hannah, what do you need right now, sweetheart? Like what what's in, what's in you? What's on your heart? Do you need yoga? Do you need more rest? I mean, wow. That right there could be a game changer for a lot of people I know. Absolutely. And it takes all the pressure off. I mean, like I have spent that hour just taking a bath and sitting quietly, having a cup of coffee and that's okay. Yeah. I'm good for the rest of the day. Like I, all I need is that, 
that time where I'm not rushing and I'm not trying to be productive. And then if I decide to do yoga or something like that, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, or if this is, I don't know, but sometimes if I would say, okay, I'm going to do an hour yoga or even a half hour yoga, I would do this. And then I would be panicking the entire time <laughs> while I'm doing yoga and meditating Exactly. that yeah. I need to, that someone's going to be trying to get a hold of me. And I'm like, you know, my heart is racing as if my heart racing would make the yoga <clears throat> video go faster or something, which it won't. <laughs> so now I'm just going, okay, this hour's already set aside. You know, people already know that you have this hour turn your phone on silent and just, it's okay. Just take the hour. Well, I was going to ask you, why, why do you think people don't do that? And I think what I, you're pointing to is, is the reason why it's like our mind won't even let us slow down enough to just be in that, that kindness practice for that moment. So it sounds like you have come up with a way, you know, in using the terms that I use, would you call this a your self kindness practice is to Give yourself that hour to get still, see what what you need in that hour. Oh, absolutely. It's so funny how different I feel going from, all right, Hannah, you need to journal every day. All right, Hannah, you need to meditate every day to just going, all right, Hannah, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And then the ability to, to trust that answer. Absolutely. I mean, even last night, I didn't have a lot scheduled for today. Um aside from talking with you. But last night, I wanted to stay up and watch a movie. And I had my alarm set for six this morning. And I stayed up way later than usual. And I woke up at six. And I consciously turned my alarm off. And I laid there for a second. And I said, Okay, Hannah, what do you need right now? And I needed sleep. (laughs) I needed another hour of sleep. I and I knew I said, you know, you can still go to sleep and you can still have time to do yoga. You can have time to read your book if you want to. It doesn't matter. This It, mm. it doesn't matter. Go back to sleep. Mm. That's what you need. Mm. Well, so what would you say to a person who would be listening to this podcast and is like, okay, well, Hannah, that's great, but, you know, my schedule is packed today, plus, you know, the kids are running around and, you know, on and on and on we go with our reasons why we can't. What would your what would your suggestion or maybe even a little bit of of self advice reflection that you would have for them? Absolutely. So and it's so funny that you ask that and that I we're even having this conversation because I am a professional organizer now and my big thing that I preach is simplicity and getting rid of what you don't need. It's all about less in, you know, making that life that you want. I always tell people it's not about the bins and baskets. It's about making space for what matters to you. Right. And I think I would tell people to, to sit down, to think about who they really are and what they really want and why they feel like they can't have that. And then to start Mm. deleting. And it's hard. It's hard to tell people no. And people say it all the time. Well, just take less off, take more off your schedule. It's not that easy. And it's especially when you're first starting out, it's not that easy. I remember looking back at my schedule and people would say that to me and I would go, but I'm booked for the next two months with favors and, you know, this, Mm. that, and the other. Like it's, it's not that easy. And I think you just need to remind yourself that you're better off because of it. I know that if I just take that hour in the morning, I know that I am kinder and softer and 
more likely to want to help others because I, I'm okay. Because mm. I am, you know, more than okay on some accounts. Whereas if I took that hour and babysat for a neighbor and missed that altogether, I would probably be resentful or crabby. And, you know, I might outwardly be polite, but I'm still not okay. And right, that right. throws everybody off. Well, yeah. And I might invite, like, drop the probably, because hearing your story way back when, you know, you love that school. Uh, and yet you were talking about coming home crabby. Yeah, I, I've used that that analogy a lot that, you know, just recognizing that doing our inner work, actually, it makes me show up more as the person that I want to show up in the world for others, which is, I kind of feel like, you know, I just turned, I turned 45 this year and I kind of feel like I'm looking around at the world and like asking, like, why didn't the world tell me this? <laughs> like that I'm actually all this work that I've been doing, you know, when I was in my 20s, I ran a nonprofit on sustainable living and then I was a, a musician and it's like all this life where it's like I wanted to go out and quote unquote save the world. I wanted to be doing good in the world. I wanted to bring what I thought a vision of the world could be. I wanted to try to be that. And some of the reflection I had, you know, one time a person said to me, oh, well, look, it's the uh, suspiciously kind Pete Sibley. And I was like, holy crap. Wow. Like, that's it. It's like, I'm trying to be the Pete that I think I should be in the world rather than doing that important reflection that you're doing, which is like, who are you right now, Hannah? Oh, I'm tired, Hannah. I need to go back to sleep. Like, what do you need right now, Hannah? Like, I need yoga. I, I noticed that my struggle was that how to do it. Like, I didn't know how. You know, people would say like, okay, well, be kind to yourself or, or like this wisdom that you're saying, like, you know, give yourself time in a schedule. And I was always like, how, how, how? And what I noticed is that it was a fear of looking clumsy. It was a fear of looking foolish. It was going back to what you said, being a people pleaser, needing that love and approval and appreciation. It's like, oh, wait, I can't do yoga at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning like people are going to think that, 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 that. Exactly. And I think too, that as we get older, like we forget that it's okay to change our minds. So we get into these schedules and routines <laughs> right. and commitments and we forget that, you know, just because we've been saying for 10 years that, you know, this is something that we enjoy or this is what we do. We forget that it's okay to, to change and to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, one thing that I was sharing with some people that I was talking about self-kindness with recently was that we have a tendency to stick with what we're good at. And especially as we continue having life experience, we're like, oh, well, I'm good at that. I'm not so good at that. But my challenge to some of those people was, are you noticing that for yourself, you get really good at the maybe negative motivation at the self beat up at and we've gotten really good at that so when i say self-kindness to people they recoil because they're like nah no this I'm, I'm really good at the other exactly it's so true i know that um jared and i we got married last month actually and when we were talking about our vows 
I kept saying that there's this quote by Khalil Gibran, and it's, I don't know it verbatim, but it's something about letting the winds of the heaven dance between you. And Mm. essentially it just means that you still need to be your own person and have your own identity, even though you're becoming one. And we ended up putting this in our wedding ceremony as a reminder that, you know, even though we are committing ourselves to each other forever, we are still our own separate people and we have our own separate hobbies and that we need to take time for ourselves. You know, it's Mm. important to me to wake up and have that hour to myself. Um, And it's important to him to do things like, you know, go fishing or bike riding. And although we love to hang out and we love to be with each other, we are kinder and more patient when we still just take that time for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I love that, you know, as we're wrapping up here, I love that you brought back in your professional work that you're doing in the world. And again, I love part of your, I don't know if it's your tagline or something that that you say in your literature about you, but it's, you talk about that idea. Yeah, it's not about the bins and baskets, but it's really about opening up to that idea of making space for what really matters. When you're sitting with clients, how do you sit with them when they feel like they have this daunting thing in front of them? Yeah, absolutely. And how do you guide, how do you hold space for them to get in touch with what matters for them rather than like, oh, wait, you know, Hannah's the expert. Exactly. And it's so funny because I guess when I hear professional organizer and I hate that, I feel like I'm still a teacher when, and I I love that apparently. (laughs) I, I feel when I hear that, I think people get this idea in their heads that I go there and that I make everything look pretty and neat and tidy. And then I leave. And I do think that some organizers, you know, do that to some extent. Um, I don't do that. I, I don't even shop for people. I go there. Well, actually I talk to them ahead of time and I make sure that we're a good fit for each other. Typically I end up working with women who are middle-aged, who have had some sort of trauma in their lives, um, life, like a, a death or a divorce or a major job change, something where they realize that their life is evolving and that their home needs to evolve also. And Mm. I work with them and I just, before I even get there, I make sure that we're a good fit and that I'm going to be, you know, a healthy solution for them and that they're ready to do this. And then we talk about what do you enjoy doing? And if you could, if your life could look any way What would it look like? What are the things that are important to you? How do you like to spend your time? How do you wish you were spending your time? What do you wish that you could make more time for? Mm. And I go there and I look at their house and we walk through it and I see what kind of things they have. And we talk about why they have certain things. You know, often they'll tell me that someone gave them this or gifted them that and, or they inherited this and, you know, it's not things that they love or they used to really be into weightlifting. So they've got a whole room, you know, they have things from past versions of who they were and it's holding them back from being who they want to be. So I never do things for people when I go there. I, we are together the entire time and we are talking through things the entire time. And I'm essentially just you know, reflecting back to them what I'm seeing or what they're saying to me. And then I'm helping them move forward and I'm giving them permission to let go. 
Mm. And, Mm. you know, I'm telling them that they can be whoever they want to be. And that, you know, just because someone gave them something or that, you know, they used to be this person doesn't mean that they have to keep that thing or that they need to continue to be that person. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that permission, I mean, you're really, you're a teacher and you're really doing therapy with these, these clients, which such a gift. And I can see why people would want to hang out with you for sure. Cause like I said, at the beginning, there's just, um, just this really great special quality about you, um, which I appreciate. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, you know, I didn't ask you at the very beginning, but it, maybe this is where we can wrap up on, um, before I ask you where people can find you out there. And that is, in this moment right now, how would you uh, define self-kindness? I would define self-kindness as being very honest with yourself. I would just, I would say don't think about what anyone else is asking of you. Don't think about what you think you should be doing. Think about what you feel that you actually need and you actually want. And then tell yourself that that's what you're supposed to be doing. If you feel a need, if you feel a want, it's right for you and it's okay. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, it's been great to to sip and sort out some of these <laughs> ideas with you uh, today, Hannah. How can we find you out there in the world? How can people get get more of you? Absolutely. So you can find me at theorderlyness.com and there you can sign up for my free sip and sort Sunday email challenges. Those are just um, very simple cut and dry emails that I send out every Sunday, just giving you a tangible um, challenge for you to declutter in your household. Um, I'm also doing virtual organizing and decluttering sessions, and I'm even doing sessions with kids throughout school. And you can find all of that on my website. Oh, awesome. And we'll put all of that in the show notes as well. Hannah Owen, congratulations on your wedding and congratulations on your self-kindness practice. And I thanks for being courageous in 2020. I'm so glad you have said yes. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Pete. Hmm. What a delightful conversation and a great reminder I love how she talked about stop being scared of everything and to to invite herself to find that aliveness again. Her Hannah time where she gave herself scheduled time to essentially ask an unscheduled question. I love how she talks about when we put it in as like, oh, I got to get my meditation done. I got to get a self-kindness practice done, Pete. And, uh, you know, da, 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 and it, it feels like another thing to do. I, I've talked with a lot of you who talk about having so much on your schedule and that even when you're doing something that is for you, you're not able to turn off. You're not able to let the, te- the text go. You feel attached at the hip to work or to your family. And so I think these ideas that Hannah was sharing are really vital for us to to take a look at to really ask you know what do you need right now 
And self-kindness is just simply that, making that your practice. Every moment, going in and trusting the answer that comes back. What do you need right now? Now, it may not be a full hour that you have, but you can always, always take a few seconds to say, what do you need right now? What do you need? I love that you would be here right now. I know there are so many things, like I just mentioned, that you could be doing right now, so many places that are calling for your time. And the fact that you would hang out with me a little bit today, I just am so grateful for that. So if you could, if this helped you out at all, if you know somebody who who might even need Hannah's uh, services and skills, would you share this podcast? And would you subscribe to it and leave a comment? Maybe share it with one or two of your friends. It really helps out a lot. We are really growing an audience around a conversation about self-kindness. And if you're looking for those next steps, you can find me at petesibley.com. At self-kindness with Pete is where I show up in the social media world. And I'm sitting with people. I'm sitting with clients. I'm offering coaching packages to people, and I continue to develop more, uh, more ways that we can intentionally hold ourselves accountable to be kind to us. So thank you. I love you. I'll leave you with this song of Anna Mines. And until ne- next week, please just be gentle, be soft, be kind. Self-Kindness Podcast with Pete is written and produced by me, Pete Sibley. If you would like to advertise or become a financial supporter of Self-Kindness with Pete, please email me at peterksibley at gmail or reach out via petesibley.com. And thanks.